Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. Hey guys, Kevin Cruz here. Welcome to the LeadX Leadership Show, where we help you to stand out and to get ahead at work. Now, as you know, we like to switch things up here, keep it interesting, and to continue that tradition, today on the podcast, instead of me interviewing an expert guest, we're going to have the guest deep dive into their topic. You see, you'll be hearing audio from a LeadX webinar. Now, of course, there are dozens of great webinars on leadership, management, communication, productivity, and more, all archived in the LeadX app. Just visit leadx.org for more information about our webinar archive. So enough on the setup, enough background information. Enjoy. Welcome everyone to this LeadX webinar with Neil Pasricha. Thank you so much for joining. Neil Pasricha is the author of seven books, including The Book of Awesome, The Happiness Equation, Awesome is Everywhere, and You Are Awesome. His books are New York Times and number one international bestsellers and have spent over 200 weeks on bestseller lists and sold millions of copies. Neil is one of the world's top ranked speakers and his first TED talk, The Three A's of Awesome, is ranked one of the 10 most inspiring of all time. He thinks, writes, and speaks about intentional living and all of his work focuses on the themes of gratitude, happiness, failure, resiliency, and trust. Welcome, Neil. Well, thank you so much for having me, guys, uh, on this cold-slash-hot, sunny-slash-cloudy Friday afternoon-slash-morning. Uh, I am in Toronto, Canada, and it is cold and cloudy and the afternoon here. But I can already see people chiming in on the side. Jason says, good morning from Arizona. Karen says, happy Friday, everyone. Guys, please, let's keep the chat open. I have that box open on my screen the whole time. I would love to be reading the whole time. Why? Because right now, during coronavirus, one of the biggest sort of needs I feel that I need, and I feel like you probably feel it too, is community, connection. Um, Betsy, hi from Boulder. Sonia, hi from California. This is wonderful. Hi from Michigan, Los Angeles. Anyone not, not from America, that'd be great to hear as well. I don't know um, who I'm talking to. The other thing that would be great to establish up front before we get into our exciting conversation and Q&A, love all the texts coming in, thank you, is um, who knows me? So when I end up speaking to groups of people, hundreds of people like I'm doing right now, what I don't know is who of you have read the Book of Awesome, or, oh, Jagit from India. Oh, I'm hearing all these great, great ones. Calgary. Hi. Hi, Alicia. Cloudy in Calgary. Always cloudy in Calgary, isn't it? No, I'm just kidding. But I, it's always cold. Love Calgary. Love the uh, Charcut restaurant downtown. Props to independent restaurants and bookstores, guys. we got to bring them back when this is done. So I don't know who's read any of my books, The Book of Awesome, The Happiness Equation. You were awesome. Does anybody listen to my podcast? Three books. Maybe some of you are, uh, you get to hear me other places. Um, has anyone ever heard me give a speech, a TED Talk? Have you seen my, just let me know where you've touched my stuff, if at all. Or maybe you're like, I have no idea who's yapping at me. So, you know, quit your yapper. But let me know. So I'm seeing, I'm seeing, I'm seeing some, some yeah, Berta, I've never heard of you. Until now, Diane says, you are unique to me. 
but I'm already intrigued. Uh, DE says, I've read The Happiness Equation. Um, uh, oh, I've watched you on TED, TED or LeadX. Yeah, so look, there's lots of, um, <laughs> I like this, Ulysses. Uh, sorry, I never heard of you before. Guys, don't be sorry. There's 8 billion of us in the world right now. Um, I'm one person. Uh, my community, which I'd like to welcome you into, is, you know, 100,000 people. These are people that want to live a deeply intentional life. The reason I want to do that is because about 10 years ago, my wife left me. My best friend took his own life. These two things happened in the span of a few weeks. I was devastated. I stopped eating. I stopped sleeping. I was a skeleton of myself, mentally, physically, psychologically. And then I started a blog called 1000awesomethings.com. And for a thousand straight weekdays, I wrote an entry to cheer myself up, like old dangerous playground equipment, like the smell of bakery air, or like wearing warm underwear from out of the dryer. The blog took off. It won best blog in the world two years in a row, got 100 million hits. It turned into a book called The Book of Awesome. So that book right here, the black one. Came out, sold a million copies, was a big bestseller. I thought, that's my 15 minutes of fame. I kept my job at Walmart the whole time. So I was like, I got, my blog went viral. Everyone gets like one viral tweet in their life, in their life. but it kept going. And it turns out I needed it too. When I got remarried five years later, I ended up writing a guidebook to my uh, unborn child on how to live a happy life. That became my book called The Happiness Equation. More recently, now I have three boys, five, three, and one, very happily married to my wife, Leslie. I'm lucky to say, and I've written a brand new book all about resilience, okay? So You Are Awesome, which came out last November. It's supposed to be like on book tour right now, but of course, everything shut down. Um, that book's about resilience. The subtitle is How to Navigate Change, Wrestle with Failure, and Live an Intentional Life. So what my goal is today to you, to LeadX, and why I'm doing this, because I love what the LeadX platform is all about, Kevin and the people here. This is a special place. And why I want to invite you into my community is because I think we got a lot in common. We want to live intentional lives. And right now, there is such a, a spiking, acute sense of stress, anxiety, worry, and fear, fear in all of us. I'm feeling it. And I know you are too. Whether you admit it to yourself or not. Some days I don't admit it to myself. I think everything's hunky-dory. I'm good. I'm, I'm Mr. Solidarity. Uh, reopen the economy. But guys... We're going through the first pandemic in a hundred years. We're facing an economic recession that could be a depression. Every single industry we work for is suffering from tectonic change. And I'm not talking about your industry or my industry. I'm talking about every industry. 5.6 million Americans and 1 million Canadians where I'm from, I'm in Toronto, Canada, have applied for unemployment insurance or uh, job loss in the last one week. A very close friend of mine lost her brother from COVID-19 this week. And uh, she's young. She's in her 50s. His, her brother um, suffered from a stroke after he was diagnosed. And it's real. And so what I'm going to do today is take some lessons from this book to share with you. And most importantly, I'm going to open the phones. You're not supposed to do that on these LeadX webinars, but I've talked to the administrators. They've agreed to do it with me. And I'm going to let all of you unmute yourself. Now, don't unmute yourself unless you have a question. But right now, in 20 minutes, think of a question, okay? Because I want to hear your voice. And it's important that we hear each other's voices. You can, of course, ask a question through the chat room right now, okay? Hi from Dallas, Texas, Laura says, condolences to your friend. Thank you. Uh, uh, 
I used to work at a library. Nice to meet you. Is this the Cultivate Calm during coronavirus crisis? Yes, it's called. What's the blog called? The blog is called um, 1000awesomethings.com. And my podcast is called Three Books, just the number three and the word books. I interview people like Malcolm Gladwell and uh, Judy Bloom and David Sedaris about which three books changed their lives. So number one, I'm going to give you three things to do to cultivate calm during coronavirus chaos. Number one, how do you wake up in the morning? Do you do what most people do, which is are rattled awake by a phone alarm clock, uh, children screaming, or you instinctively check your email? 90% of people sleep within 10 feet of their cell phone. 90% of people, those same people, check their phone before bed and when they get up in the morning. Can I ask you a question? If you slept within 10 feet of a bottle of wine every night, drank a bottle of wine before bed every night, and sipped from that bottle of wine when you got up in the morning, what would we call you? You're an alcoholic. These days we're all phoneaholics now, and we don't, yes, Nancy, alcoholic. Yeah, thanks for the chat. Um, we don't realize how addicted we are. What I'd like you to do is at the beginning of the day, take two minutes to ground and center yourself before the day. Now you guys, if you're watching with a, a, a cell phone open or you have a pen and paper, I'm gonna give you three prompts. I want you to write them down. Number one, I will let go of, I'll type it into the chat room as well. I will let go of. Number two, I am grateful for, I am grateful for. And number three, I will focus on. So if you look in the chat room right now, you'll see that I've just written those three prompts. I will let go of. Right now, the fastest growing religion in the world is actually no religion, according to National Geographic. Yet the Catholic Confession Chamber and similar practices in Buddhism, Mormonism, Islam, Judaism are missing in our society. There's a form of contemporary confession built into most world religions. Do you know the Catholic Confession Chamber? Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. God believes it's good to get it off your chest. We know from research in Science Magazine by Dr. Brassen, B-R-A-S-S-E-N, and colleagues, that if we can minimize regret as we age, we actually experience greater contentment and happiness. So I will let go of how much screen time my kids are having right now. I will let go of feeling like a bad mom and a bad employee because I'm not able to do both at the same time. I will let go of the money that I've paid for my child's tuition that I'm not sure if I'm going to get back, but I really need it to make my rent payment. I will let go of the unbelievable amounts of stress that my leader or my sister or my brother or my team member is feeling around me. I'm good. But when I come home at night to my husband or to my girlfriend or to my phone call with my mom, they're stressing me out. Can you let go of that? Turns out, according to research, you can if you write it down. Number two, I am grateful for. I can go into the research on this deeply, guys. It's done by Emmons and McCullough. Uh, Quickly, they found that if you write down 10 things you're grateful for a week, you're not only happier, but physically healthier after a 10-week period. So uh, the, the thing is, the gratitude that you write down in the morning are going to be hard. We all want to think about negative things. That's how our brain evolved for 200,000 years. We have an amygdala. It's a walnut-sized thing in the back of our brain. It releases fight or flight hormones all day. So to carve new kind of positive neural pathways, you need to pause and think of two or three specific things you're grateful for every morning. Did you notice I said the keyword specific? That's an important word. You know why? 
because if you write down my husband, my kid, and my dog, turns out your brain doesn't register that. If you write down, if you write down, I'm sorry, I'm just looking at the chat room. I see lots of comments coming in there. Uh, if you write down, I'm grateful that my husband, Antonio, put the toilet seat down. <laughs> and I'm grateful that my three-year-old son gave me a drawing that he painted. And I'm grateful that my dog, Trooper, finally learned how to shake a paw. Now we're talking. See the difference between husband, kid, and job, and those three specific gratitudes I just remember, I just labeled? I, will, I am grateful for is the second prompt. So we covered two so far. I will let go of, and I'm grateful for. The third one is called, I will focus on. These days we're all suffering from uh, emotional and decision fatigue. There is so much to follow right now in the news. If you're trying to escape the news, great, but there's a lot going on. So what you need to do is write down one thing that you would be most proud of saying at the end of the day, I did this today. What is the one thing you would be most proud of saying, I did this today? You know what? It could be making lunch with your child. If you feel like you have been ignoring your kids, it could be getting that really big, important update email out to your boss's boss. Your boss asks you to do it and you really got to put it together. It could be applying for the um, subsidy for your rent in your local community that, that you need to desperately save your small business. Whatever that one thing is, write it down. And that is, I will focus on. At the end of the day, if you're lucky, you'll be able to cross that off and feel that release. What you don't want to have happen right now during coronavirus and during this pandemic is that you are busy all day, but you didn't get your one thing done. And believe me, that happens to me a lot. I'm sure that happens to you. So um, Karen <laughs> Hadez says, I am grateful that I'm able to order pepperoni pizzas with jalapeno. You know what, Karen? I love that. I usually get banana peppers hot peppers, banana, but jalapenos, that's a spicy sauce. I like that. Maybe with some sriracha on top. Are my Indian roots showing? <laughs> Grew up with a spice. Um, although it is embarrassing whenever I hang out with a whole bunch of Indian people and they totally outspice me. Like I can't handle like the vindaloo. That was a joke for the uh, 14 of you on the call that uh, <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Um, Number one thing I want you guys to do to ground and center yourself is take two minutes every morning and write down, I will focus on, I am grateful for, and I will let go of in reverse order. I will let go of, I'm grateful for, I will focus on. Number two thing, ready? This is a weird one. I want you guys to have a new weird hobby. Okay. Uh, Jason says, British guy here living in the desert. I miss, I miss a good Vindaloo. Thank you for the shout out, Jason. Um, guys, why do I want you to have a weird hobby? Because right now in the world right now, we are susceptible to something I call mental fragility, also known as cognitive entrenchment. We are grinding so hard right now. If you do one thing really, 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 really well, the research shows that you are less good at learning something new. Right now, there's a huge opportunity to learn something new. It could be uh, you want to take up painting. You want to play the saxophone. You've always told your child you're going to learn origami together. You've never baked a loaf of bread. Whatever. I want you to have a weird hobby that you can tell others that you learned during the pandemic. The benefit of this is that your learning rate is the steepest when you know the least. Your learning rate is the steepest when you know the least. There are studies that show that Nobel Prize winners are 22 times more likely than their scientific colleagues to have a strange, unusual, or weird hobby 
outside their scientific discipline. Nobel Prize winners are also making balloon animals, blowing glass, or starring in the town play. And I didn't make up those examples. They're actually from the study. Uh, Tom says, makes sense. Tina's giving me a smiley face. Uh, Leah says, I will let go of the grief I'm feeling about my cat passing away this week and be grateful for his life. Ouch, I'm so sorry, um, Leah, for the passing of your, of your cat, but also for anyone that's experiencing the trauma of loss right now, which I think are a lot of us. Liz says, I'm learning Spanish. It's not weird, maybe because I have a French accent. And then she says, ah, rest in peace, Kitty. See, that's beautiful. Can I just say, at, at the time here, at 1.16 p.m., a woman named Leah, who I don't know, and who I'm guessing Liz does not know, said, I will um, let go of the grief I'm feeling for losing my cat. At 1.17, like a minute later on the chat, she says, aw, R.I.P. Kitty. That's from Liz. Uh, back to Leah. That's partly what I want to do today, is have that sense of community, so thank you. People are saying, I will finally learn to play my ukulele. Tina says, I'm learning TikTok videos. Berta says, I just thought I'd like to bling some skulls. <laughs> Are you guys picturing the same? Uh, what's that famous? Who's that guy that does that famous skull covered in jewels? There's a famous, Damien, getting the name wrong. You guys know the artist. Guadalupe says, I'm reading the Bible from beginning to end. Fantastic. Um, I'm taking an, Diane says, I'm taking an online marine biology class. I'm not a science person and it's ridiculously hard, but I'm determined to see it through. Um, Tian says, I'm learning to paint wine glasses. Jennifer says, I've always wanted to take up bird watching. Jag Meat says, I now spend time at home building workouts and baking all kinds of goodies. Amber, I'm just going to read a couple more because these are so fun to read. I'm taking up creative bullet journaling, says Amber. And Annie says, hey, British guy, Ina Gartner has a great lamb curry recipe in her new cookbook, her latest cookbook. Um, Ashley says, you might need to tell people that they need to change their chat to allow everyone to read the comments. Yeah, make sure you guys are typing to all panelists and attendees, okay? I'm learning piano. I'm learning to teach my children. I'm picking up the guitar. I'm learning cooking. I'm taking an EMBA program. I, guys, this is awesome. Hundreds of you are replying right now, and you are telling us what weird hobby you're going to do. Fantastic. Oh, HPL Forbes says, I'm taking PE with Joe every morning. Me too. <laughs> We're in the same place. Guys, when you comment, just tell us where you're, um, uh, can you tell us where you're writing from so that we can just kind of connect this way? Okay, you guys got two things already. Two minute mornings in the morning. Have a weird hobby during the day. And what's the last thing? Are you ready? I want you to go untouchable untouchable, unreachable, un ungettable from the news and social media every single night. How many of you have heard from, uh, have heard of um, intermittent fasting? You know, intermittent fasting, right? It's all the rage. You, you don't eat after dinner. You don't eat before breakfast. Woo! It's like some fancy new craze. Meanwhile, it's just like, don't eat. <laughs> Don't eat the, the poutine, Canadian reference for you Canadians. Don't eat the late night burger. Don't eat the late night um, gyros if you're in Greece. Don't eat it at two in the morning. Yeah, no, no <laughs> big surprise, right? Like that's obvious. But what we're not doing is the same practice with our news consumption. Uh, a friend of mine just told me that his iPhone told him that he uses his phone for two hours a day. You know, the 
weekly report if you have an iPhone telling you your iPhone usage. He said last week it was six hours a day, six hours a day. His phone consumption has tripled. What happens to your body when you read the news right before bed? Um, if you're like me or most people, you take on the weight and the emotional heaviness of what's happening in the world right now. It's going to be very difficult, if not impossible, to even begin to process the loss of jobs, the loss of businesses, the frontline workers risking their lives, the lack of masks. Of it. That's too acute. That's too much. Process that with your morning mind if you need to, okay? After your two-minute practice, after you've kind of intentionally set your mode for the day, whether it's breakfast with your kids, whether that's getting dressed up, having a shower, I'm okay if you read the news that. Just don't do it at night. And what I want to challenge you to do is stretch that time like a taffy and try to extend it. Maybe you're like me and when you try to do this, you're checking news at 11 p.m. And when you check, wake up at 7 a.m. or whatever, you check it again. Your taffy is eight hours long, 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. Try to extend it. Can you then stop checking the news at 10 p.m.? There's research from Australia that shows if you look at a bright screen within an hour of bedtime, your melatonin production goes down, which is the sleep hormone critical for deep sleep. If you can do 10 p.m., could you drive into 9 p.m. next week? Could you check your phone at 8 a.m. next morning? I gave a talk like this to a, a, an organization uh, recently, and the leader stood up and, and said, hey, everybody on my team, I want to make a policy, no emails before 10 in the morning. Simple policy, but now we all don't need to check our email before 10 in the morning. And what he's doing is allowing his team to set intentions and get some real deep work done before the day begins. Okay. We are getting so many com com comments. Um, I'm learning Finnish. I'm turning, I turn off the news at 5 p.m. each day from St. Louis. Um, is there a reason for the nighttime hours block on the news? Yes, Susan, I think your question's probably been answered because what's happening is um, our brains go into fight or flight, fight mode. So I talked about it a little bit earlier, but you have something in your brain called your um, amygdala and it evolved inside our brains to do two things look for problems and solve problems. That's why we rubberneck on the highway. That's why if it bleeds, it leads. That's why if there's an accident, we want to see it. There's a fight at a hockey game. You want to watch. You don't know you want to watch. You might not logically not want to watch, but you are attracted to negative news because our brains think we can solve those problems to increase our own survival. It's part of the reason why there's 8 billion of us on this planet. Um, however, if you expose yourself to problems right before bed, you can't stop thinking about them and you carry them with you into your slumber. What I'd rather you do before bed is, of course, read a book of fiction on real paper. You will slip into another conscience. As uh, George R.R. R. Martin wrote in Game of Thrones, a reader lives a thousand lives before he dies. The man who never reads lives only one. Slipping into another conscious lets you live in a different place, a time, a gender, a culture, a totally different landscape. Maybe it's science fiction, you're in outer space, and then you can fall asleep because what you're doing is inhabiting another conscience, okay? There's research from the Annual Review of Psychology in 2011 that shows that um, if you read before bed, then you're opening up uh, in your visual cortex all kinds of neural pathways that aren't typically opened up when you look at like a Netflix screen, for example. Why? Uh, and that's no offense to lead X and great online content like this stuff. But um, when you read, you have to do more work. You are the characters, you are the voices, you are the sets, you are the costumes. And so you have to come up with all that. You're, they've done MRI scans that show that the, even the smell areas of your brain are open 
if you read a word like cinnamon and a word like leather, your brain is doing different neural activity, okay? Reading fiction before bed. I will be adding you guys, by the way, to my book club. So every single month I'll send you an email, um, which has a list of books I recommend each month that I've read in the past month, okay? So now, oh wow, look at these things. Sophia, any book recommendations? Yep, yeah, I'll send you some on my book club. Also my podcast is called Three Books. So I'm on a 15 year quest for the 1000 most formative books in the world. What I was finding is that I didn't trust the Amazon recommendation engine or the pile at the airport. And so I'm asking, I, I flew down to Key West, Florida and sat down with Judy Bloom. I flew to New York and, and sat down with Chris Anderson of TED and Malcolm Gladwell. I went to Detroit and I talked to Mitch Album. I flew to Los Angeles and I talked to Pete Holmes. I talked to Angie Thomas of Jackson, Mississippi. I'm flying around before I got grounded, interviewing people and asking them which three books most changed their lives. Why am I doing that? So I can read those books, okay? I just interviewed Surgeon, uh, Surgeon General Vivek Murthy yesterday, so that'll be probably the next episode I release. Fantastic, lots of people saying they're in book clubs. Uh, a lot of people saying, you have encouraged me to learn Spanish right now. I love this. People are, uh, yeah, e-readers are okay, Liz. I, what I'm opposed to is the bright screen, so don't read on an iPad or like a computer screen. And I'm opposed, so because the, it's the bright screen that will um, cause you not to produce melatonin. E-readers or paper readers are fine. The other, the other research we know is that um, if you can multitask, you will. Meaning that if you can do a lot of functionality on your e-reader, like send or receive text messages, for example, which you probably can't on your Kindle, then you won't read a book because <laughs> you'll be text messaging. Okay. Zoilis is so excited to see your list of books. Yeah, I will add you. Okay. Yeah, Leah says, Leah, here's an interesting question from Leah. Looks like I will have more books from you, Neil, to add to my never-ending to-be-read list. Here's the thing, Leah, if you do this news fast, like I'm talking about each evening, what I call an untouchable zone from the news, it's chapter eight in my new book. That's what I talk about going untouchable. Then guess what? You're going to make space for books. Uh, what I'd like you guys to challenge yourself to do is ask yourself how much reading you're doing a day. The University of California says you're actually reading a 200 page book a day. You know what it is? Instagram comments, Twitter feeds, blog rolls, magazines, newspapers, Try to cut as much of that out. Delete a social media app that you don't use. Like get off that stuff and have a real book on your bedside table every night, okay? It's not easy. Uh, if you want, here I'm gonna say, um, check out this article, I'm gonna paste it right here. I wrote an article um, for Harvard Business Review in 2017 that became the number one most popular article on the entire website of harvardbusinessreview.org, hbr.org. And I just pasted the title in there. It's called Eight Ways to Read a Lot More Books This Year. If you Google it, you'll find an article from me, which tells you how I went from reading five books a year to 50 books a year in one year. A lot of this stuff I've already mentioned, um, but there's some tips or tricks that are to 10x your reading rate, okay? Los Angeles Public Library says, I remember your article. Uh, Julissa says, I work at a library and we have a long list of books to read. I'm adding, you are awesome, that's nice. Uh, Tiffany says, what if you hate reading? Um, Oh, Liz says you're chatting with a lot of LA public library. Hi, librarians. Hey, you know what I say on three books, my podcast? The only podcast in the world by and for book lovers, writers, makers, sellers, and librarians. So you guys will love this podcast. Um, okay, you don't hate reading, Tiffany. What I want you to ask yourself is, at, in your youngest, earliest memories, what did you read? Okay, just, just what did you read? Like, go back to your kid's bookshelf at your parents' place or whatever. Start there. Start into comic books again. Go up slowly. You're okay. Okay. Now, I'd like the administrator to take us off mute. It's now 
30, we're 30 minutes of the way through. Audiobooks are fine, Reagan. And I, you guys will all still be on mute, but you will now have a new ability. Wow, LA Public Library rocks. We're in the Los Angeles Public Library. You guys are representing. There must be like a hundred of you on here. I feel like a leader at the library was like, hi everybody, I'm going to this. Is that what happened? What interests my boss fascinates me. Have you heard of that before? I'm just kidding. Okay, so administrator, please go off of mute. You guys are still on mute, but what you can do now is you can carefully go at the bottom of your screen, unmute yourself. I'm gonna leave a five second pause. I like the most brave, courageous person to introduce yourself, say where you're from. The more vulnerable you can be, the better. I guarantee we're all feeling the same thing. Let's go off mute now. Okay, Carol, you're on. Can you say your name and where you're from? Hi, nice to see you. I'm also from Los Angeles Public Library. And nice. I wanted to comment and see what you think. I listen to audiobooks every night to put myself to sleep. So I have the phone like above my head, so the screen's not on. What do you think of that? Uh, I think that's fine if you do a couple things. So first of all, thanks for the question. Uh, and it's great that we're having such a conversation about reading. That wasn't my intention, but it's really nice to bump into a room full of librarians. Um, <laughs> the, the couple things are, number one, download the audiobook file, so don't stream it. Okay, that's the first thing. So put it onto your phone. Number two is go into airplane mode. So what you wanna do is turn your phone ideally into black and white, ideally on do not disturb, ideally on airplane mode, so that you're not tempted to check that email or text even after you listen to the book and you've mentally unwound yourself. Third thing I would do is I would place the book or the phone as, a, as it is that you're listening to um, far from your bed. So that after the book is on playing or you turn it off, you aren't tempted again during the night. And also side benefit, although research is still uh, unclear on this, it's just nice to have a technological device as strong as a cell phone away from your brain as you're sleeping, okay? I don't wanna zoom into that. Uh, some people will call that a conspiracy theory, but it's like there is some research that shows that having technology right beside your head, <laughs> especially if it's not in airplane mode, isn't great for you. Um, certainly doesn't help. Okay, that's the first question. That was a wonderful question, Carol. Thank you very much. And I'm just learning this. So now can you guys come in and raise your hands in the bottom? And then what I will do, oh, I see people starting to do it. Yeah, is I will start. So now, Shirley, Shirley, you are the next person. And I'd love to invite you to um, uh, say your name and where you're from. Uh, can, you, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Um, I'm Shirley. I'm from Los Angeles. I'm another LAPL librarian. Nice. Hi. Um, Hi. I want, if you can go over the um, first of the three items of I will let go of, because uh -huh. um, I was trying to write down some notes and I missed part of that. Yeah, sure. Um, I know it's a lot of things that's going on here sure. um, in regards to People trying to take on too much sometimes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> feel like we're not since we're not actually at work, we're working from home. Like making sure every single minute of our work time is yeah. being, you know, dedicated to LAPL. And sometimes, yeah. even though you're at home, you're completely overwhelmed because you've assigned yourself so much to do. Mm. So, um, so I was just trying to see how before that before you go into your question, tell me more about that feeling. Uh, feeling overwhelmed because. Yeah. When you're at work, you have um, a particular set, you know, you're doing, like I'm a children's librarian, so I'm doing my story times. I'm on a, out, out on the reference desk working with patrons. And so every single thing is 
set up to either be doing some kind of training, working with patrons yeah. or um, future planning. So now you're doing that on a small scale, but you're doing all these other trainings and then you're reading and you're make, I'm making sure every single moment that I'm at home for those eight hours is dedicated to LAPL um, where it's sort of stressful because I'm working from home, but sometimes I forget to take my 15 minute break. I know it sounds crazy, yeah. you know, or, or yeah. lunch. Mm -hmm. So. And do you have uh, people in the house with you or are you on your own? No, I have um, my, when my, my daughter is home from LAUSD school because mm -hmm. um, the schools are closed also. And yeah. my husband's at home because he's working from home. So mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of other people here. So I'm trying to balance all of them and work. Yeah. Here's what I hear in your question. And thank you so much, Shirley, for your bravery and your vulnerability. On the side, there's a lot of people right now saying, go, Shirley. Thanks, Shirley. Thanks for sharing this, Shirley. These are the exact kind of questions we want to hear, guys. What's really in your heart and on your mind? You went from a very structured environment. You have a physical location. You drove to it. You have a desk. You had a, a you know, library patrons coming in and out. It was a very structured day. Now you're at home. There's your daughter there. There's your husband there. You're dedicated. You're all in. You're going to every seminar. You're taking notes. You're committed. At the same time, it's wholly new. W-H-O-L-L-Y, not H-O-L-Y. It's wholly, the whole thing's new. So you're also trying to totally ramp up your learning curve and you're doing so in a more isolated way, which is partly why the chat room and these questions are so great because they're, they're connecting us a bit, which is great because that's really missing right now. Loneliness has spiked since the 1980s. It's doubled. Uh, Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, who I mentioned before, has sees a Surgeon General under Barack Obama. He's he's called loneliness the next big epidemic. And what's happening during quarantine and social distancing is we're seeing mental illness um, uh, metrics spiking right now. You shouldn't obviously you're not surprised to hear that, but we're all feeling that. And so baked into your question, what I also hear is, and then you didn't say this, so I may be projecting or I may be trying to share it other to group, okay? But what I'm partly hearing is I want to do a great job. Yes. And I'm also right. And I'm yes. also hearing, and I want to be a great mom. Yes. And I want to be a great partner to my husband. Yes. And I may have less support than they usually have. I don't know about you, but like Leslie and I, my wife, Leslie, we can't have a cleaning lady right now. We can't have a, a massage or a visit to a physiotherapist. My shoulder has been... <laughs> I've had a major problem. I can't see a physiotherapist right now. I can't go to a bookstore for salvation or to a library. I can't walk the streets even very comfortably. So this is stressful. And I want to point out something though, which is in your question, all these caring thoughts that you're having, okay, Shirley, all these caring thoughts are coming from a place rooted in yourself and I don't know if you have parents that you're calling as well or sisters or brothers. To, like, there's lots of stuff. It's coming from a place where you have deep concern, deep love, deep passion. Right now, that's the important metric. If you happen to have, I'm not saying you do, but if anyone listening happens to have aged parents or older parents that you're worried about, that you're checking in on, that you're calling, maybe that you're in a pod with and you're visiting, the fact that you care about them, that's enough. They understand that. They raised a great human, a great citizen who cares about them. If you care about your work and you want to get the most out of every call, what I'm telling you is don't worry. You don't have to get the most of every call. What matters is that you care about it, that you care about it. The root emotion is a positive, healthy one. And what I want to do today to a lot of you listening is I want to try to get rid of some of the guilt we may be feeling. 
Because what I'm hearing from a lot of organizations I talk to right now is I want to be a great mom. I want to be a great dad. I want to be a great wife, a husband. I want to be a great employee. And I'm not good at any of them right now. It's okay. <laughs> We're all feeling that way. We are all feeling that way on the comments. Yes, I feel the exact same way as Shirley. Yes, um, you, Leah, you, Neil, you hit the nail right on the head. Uh, intentional living is, is great. Surely you're doing great. Be gentle with yourself. And it's not you, Shirley, that we're talking to here. We're talking to an emotion that we think a lot of people are feeling. Uh, now, raise your hands, guys. Let's see some more questions. Five participants. Oh, five hands in the air. Okay, I'm going to pick a different one. Um, Jay Geet Singh. Uh, Jay Geet, you are unmuted. Can you tell, say your name and where you're from? My name is Jagjeet and I am from India. Where in India? So I am from uh, northern part of India, from Delhi. Oh, nice. My dad is from Amritsar. <laughs> Great. Okay. I am also a Punjabi. <laughs> nice. My dad came to Canada in 1966. I was born in Canada in 1979. Great. So Good to know that. Good to know We are all connected somehow. Yeah, so Neil, thank you very much, first of all, for getting us all together. It was it is a pleasure to be connecting with you. And I must appreciate your effort and your initiative on this, uh, during this uh, tough time. You're very welcome. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, so my question, Neil, is around, uh, there are two questions linked to each other. The first question is, what motivates you as an individual? And the second question that I would like to ask from you is, mm -hmm. how can one find what is his or her motivation? Because yes. everybody's having a different motivation. So how can we find out our motivation uh, and the zeal towards something? Great, great, great questions, Jake. Jake G. Thank you so much for calling us from New Delhi, India. Um, and I don't know what time it is there. I'm trying to do the math. It is 11, it is 11, 10 right now. Oh, okay. Well, after this, so I need you to have an hour of reading before bed, okay? Yeah, sure, okay. definitely. Uh, um, so here's what I want to say to that. First of all, and, and, and guys, if you're looking at the chat right now, it is just exploding. You know, um, hi, JG, great question. Hi, Jeannie. Um, uh, lots of people talking about guilt. So this is, this is great. And there's a lot happening here on the side. I really appreciate the chat. Um, so JG, a couple things here. Number one, there's a famous study done by National Geographic and they looked around the world to find the places where people live the longest, the longest, happiest, fullest, healthiest lives. They identified and labeled those seven places as the blue zones. Some of you may have heard of the famous blue zone study. Uh, one of the blue zones is a place called Okinawa, Japan. Okay, some of you will know Okinawa. They went to Okinawa and they discovered that in, uh, in the islands of Okinawa in Japan, it turns out there is no word for retirement in their language. The concept of ceasing work completely simply does not exist. Retirement is a very Western concept, guys. It came, it was invented in Germany in the late 1800s. The idea that you run up to 55 or 65 and you suddenly stop working and play golf forever. That's a new idea. We didn't used to think that. And in Okinawa, it never took off. Guess what they also have in Okinawa? One of the longest, healthiest lifespans. And this is the important point I wanted to mention to you, Jagji. They have something called an ikigai. An ikigai is spelled I-K-I-G-A-I. -I. I'm just going to type it in. Yeah, Monica says, I just bought the Blue Zone book. Uh, uh, Kathy says, my godmother taught in Okinawa. When you have a, a conference call with, with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, it's amazing how, how this team humanity, we can really feel it. 
Um, so I-K-I-G-A-I, this roughly translates into English as what is the reason you get out of bed in the morning, okay? Is it my ikigai for Neil Pasricha is I help people live happy lives. That's the highest level goal for me. And that's my writing, that's my speaking, and so on. My wife is an elementary school teacher. Her ikigai is to teach empathy into communities. And because that's so clearly articulated for her, she's also able to run empathy circles at inner city schools and run empathy groups with mothers. She doesn't do this for any money at all. She just gets joy because her whole thing is empathy for all. If you guys think I have any empathy, it's a lot of it's coming from my daily therapy session with my beautiful wife. Um, if you listen to my podcast, you'll hear that she's a guest on my show uh, often. So I want you to remember that word ikigai. Now, the question is, well, what is my purpose? How do I figure that out? And what makes me get out of bed? What I want you guys to think of now, and I'm recording this show uh, or this LeadX webinar, um, I wanna say uh, in mid-April, 2020, some people who are watching right now, it may be May 2020, maybe May 2025 for all I know. In this time and place today, a lot of people right now are looking at the shifting economic landscape, the shifting employment landscape and the shifting labor landscape. And they're saying, oh, what should I take out to this, this sea? Should I take out a dinghy? Should I take out a sailboat? Should I take out a rowboat? Stop. My biggest counsel is don't go out to sea right now. There's a hurricane brewing. It's on the horizon. The waves are getting choppy and they're getting choppy-er. Now is the time to ask yourself three questions instead. Number one, can I take care of myself and my family financially right now? If the answer is no, let's that, let that be your concern. Your goal isn't about purpose, it's to make money, okay? So that if that's your purpose, I hear you. It's time to figure out a way to pay the bills, okay? And that may be through grants, that may be through government subsidies, it may be through loans, it may be through um, finding a job that's at the last place you used to work, whatever. It might be getting a job anywhere, right? There's lots of, there's lots of labor markets like this, ups and downs. First question, can I take care of my, myself and my family financially? If the answer is yes, okay, if the answer is yes, you now have the benefit of time. What I want you to ask yourself in that time, and we're in the hammer right now, right? Everything's kind of locked down. It won't be like this forever because we can't stand the economic um, uh, pent-up demand that's happening. Uh, however, there's major health issues. So after we get through the hammer, we have 18 months or of the dance before the vaccine comes out. You know, there's opens and closures and people will be navigating this. Governments will be doing it differently at a state level, at a country level, at an international level. Depending where you live, I'm in Toronto, Canada, there'll be schools may open in September or they might not. So we'll have to go through the dance. In the period of the hammer, the kind of closure and the dance, which is the up and down period until we have a new normal, in this benefit of time that you you said you just said you could afford, okay, you didn't say Jackie, but I'm saying if you can say that, listener, if you can say that, then the question is, how can I best prepare myself? What is the best overlap between what I want to do and the opportunities in the world right now to help, to change lives, to be there for someone? And where can, how can I think about that problem and work on that problem? So when we hit that new normal, because we will, there is another side to this eventually, okay? There is another side eventually. Yeah. When we get to that place, you should be ready to go. Okay. So for Neil Pasricha, guess what? I'm working on a new book. I'm working on a whole new speech, none of which I've mentioned to you today. I'm diving deep into my podcast. I started posting one new awesome thing a day right now. If you go to my Instagram page or you go to my email list, I'm posting one a day. 
right? So you, it's just like one awesome thing. What's, you know, today's was lying in the sun like a cat. <laughs> Yesterday was like when, when your friend gives you an hour of entertainment for your kid to watch. Another one is, you know, everyone's got messy hair on, on, the, on the teleconference because it's like we're all at home. Whatever. I just write one thing a day. So I'm leaning into my art. I'm leaning into my creative because I want to be ready kind of when we get to that new normal. If you are a librarian, if you are Shirley, if you are, then you lean into your studying or your learning or your, is there a technology you can learn? Is, that, is this what you want to be doing? If yes, awesome. If not, now's the time to look into other things, right? You have the benefit of time. I highly recommend Yale's course called The Science of Wellbeing. We can put a link to it. Um, somebody doesn't mind just grabbing the link to that and throwing it in the chat room. The Yale course, The Science of Wellbeing. It's a free course on Coursera. This is something I recommend that you guys do if you have this benefit of time, okay? Now, put up your hands, guys. Let's do some more questions. Da, da, da. These are fun questions. These are fantastic questions. So where do I click to find the questions? Oh, here we go. Mora, M-O-R-A, you are on. Mora. Hi, um, my name is Mora. I'm from Austin, Texas. And um, one of the things you mentioned was letting go of during this time part of my job includes um, terminating people from their jobs because budgets are getting cut, et cetera. Uh -huh. And even though this is part of my job and I do it and I try not to let it weigh me down and let go of it, it is just all consuming right now. And so yeah. I don't have any advice for letting go of something that big and weighty during this time. Sure. Uh, thank you, Maura, for the question. For those that didn't hear it, Maura is from Austin, Texas. I love Austin. I was there three or four times last year. It's a wonderful city. I hope you have a breakfast taco for me. Uh, although, I don't know if everything's open, but I love Austin. Letting go of, getting let go from an organization is one of the most stressful things in life, okay? It's right up there with moving. And we know moving is at the top of that list. You always hear moving is at the top. However, not far below getting let go is letting someone go. Having a conversation where you say, I am sorry, but your role here is terminated uh, or you're being furloughed or we have had to temporarily uh, eliminate your position um, or the hotel you work at, we're closing for three months. So it's not you, it's 600 of us. And, and I was in that position too. So what you guys don't know about me is that I was the director of leadership development at Walmart. Uh, I worked directly for three different Walmart CEOs as their chief of staff. And I did my MBA at Harvard Business School after a, uh, uh, an undergrad in business as well. I, as my capacity as director of leadership uh, and my capacity as a generalist in the HR department, uh, another job, had to let go of dozens of people inside Walmart. It stressed me out. I was so exhausted. I was tired. I, I couldn't even sleep before I had to have these conversations. And the thing I learned, because unfortunately for me, and I don't know if it's Walmart being a big company, but it's normal, is that there's a lot of things you can say, a lot of things you can't say from a legal perspective. So you end up with all this like legal kind of stiff sort of robotic language. And you aren't supposed to sort of do this. You aren't supposed to hug the person. You aren't supposed to look them in the eye. You aren't supposed to let your eyes water, let yourself crack. But I'm telling you, Maura, all that human stuff replaces the formal stuff right now. I'm not saying go out of your way to break laws. I'm not saying that. And don't quote me on that. What I'm saying is put the papers, put the envelope, put the official process, 
to the side and look them in the eye and connect with your heart. When you do that, you guys will be connecting as we all should be connecting. And as I feel we are connecting today on this webinar and you will be on the same team, okay? And that will be important for many reasons. Most importantly, because that's all they will remember. They will remember nothing of what you said that day in the room, nothing. They will always remember how you made them feel and how they felt themselves when they left that room, okay? They will remember that and they will thank you for it later. And by the way, I've had to let go of someone in the last month because of coronavirus, because all my speaking is canceled and I have someone that helps me manage all that. And it broke my heart. And she wrote me a note two weeks ago saying, Neil, I just want to say thank you. You treated me with utmost respect, you treat me with utmost dignity. I absolutely appreciate it. And I really hope our paths cross again. And I hope they do too. <sighs> Laura, I just took you off mute again in case you want to talk back to me. I just want to say thank you. Um, I do try to make it as human as possible and have a connection. And um, you are absolutely right. When I do add that piece, people tend to be very grateful um, that it's not just some robot or some um, legal things. I'm, I'm checking off of a spreadsheet. Yeah. Um, so that is excellent advice. Thank you. And um, I appreciate it. You're, you're very welcome, okay? Um, other hands can go up now, and I will mute Maura. Brenna, over to you. Hey, Neil. Uh, this is Brenna Hi. from Vancouver. Um, Hi, can, you, you. can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, great. Um, Canadian. For, yay. Um, yes. Thank you for sharing the, the three things that we can do. And I guess my question is around sort of I've been actively seeking forums and opportunities to to find ways to, to bring myself at least a little bit of joy um, under these circumstances. And I have a lot of friends and family that, you know, might be sitting in a space of, of negativity or struggling, um, rightfully so. And I'm just wondering kind of your thoughts on sharing this content more broadly in a very compassionate way to to share it and hopefully help bring yeah. some some light to some people that are maybe struggling a little bit. Sure. Um, thank you so much, Brenna, for your vulnerability to ask that. And by the way, your comment directly reflects a lot of comments that I'm seeing on the side right now. Uh, Jason says, I am feeling very anxious and paranoid about engaging with folks when I leave the house. I'm afraid to walk around my neighborhood. Anyone else, you know, feeling this way about going outside? So there's a lot of people feeling like this. And uh, let me use this as the final uh, question, and then I'll have a couple words to close things off. What I want you to remember higher than anything else today here is this is an extremely unusual, rare, generational event. It is seismic in proportion. We are talking about a virus that is extremely deadly and extremely contagious. And for most of us, unless you're over 100 years old, you have not encountered this before in your life, period. Millions of people are infected by this. This is a serious issue. What I can say is that we are aware of the problem. The scientific and medical communities, let's just forget the pillow communities for a while, are working incredibly hard and incredibly fast right now. And we are seeing that everywhere. I am seeing the private sector and some very strong leaders standing up, whether it's Jacinda Ardern from New Zealand with the Prime Minister of Norway doing kids press conferences, whether it's Andrew Cuomo in New York. You're seeing leaders. This is what happens is leaders are, I was director of leadership at Walmart. Let me tell you guys, leaders, have to have opportunities to come become leaders. 
to go through a crucible moment. And right now, leaders are standing up. They are standing up around the world. Look to the leaders. Look to the people in your family who are being a leader. Look to the people in your community. Who's the baker doing contact list delivery drop-offs that you can give a nice big tip to and you can connect with with a note on your porch? Who, when can you go for a walk, Jason, uh, that the street, where the streets where you live are not busy? And I know you're in, I believe you're in England. Can you go at midnight? I, I will tell you, I have been going on midnight walks, okay? It is beautiful to get outside. And when you do see somebody across the street, whether they're walking their dog or they're going for a jog, you just wave. And we can get a little bit of connection of humanity. What you guys have done today by coming on this webinar, by spending an hour of your time and your life engaging in a conversation here around how we're feeling and how we're navigating this, is you've already done that. You've decided that inside yourself, you were going to take time in your life to prioritize you. You were going to get some tools, some habits, some frameworks, and I hope I've given you those today to help apply to your life. You're going to start your day with two-minute mornings. You're going to write down, I will let go of, I am grateful for, and I will focus on when you start the day. And by the way, I pulled this out. This is two-minute mornings. This is my journal. Um, I wrote this every day in the page. You don't need this. You can do it on a cue card, but I made it a book so that for me, I can look back over my year and like see what I've been stressed about. Guess what? It's never a big deal in the future. That's number one. Number two is you're going to develop a weird hobby. I, we read them on the chat room, right? I'm going to learn the ukulele. I'm taking swimming. Uh, I'm taking uh, Spanish classes, whatever. Guys, have something new. It's going to avoid something called cognitive entrenchment or the mental fragility that comes with doing one thing, okay? Your learning rate is the steepest when you know the least. It will be wonderful when after we get through this, you're able to say, oh, that was the time of my life that I finally took up oil painting. And guess what? I now own a gallery in my 60s or whatever that is, okay? Number three, you are going to create a news fast for yourself. And I don't mind if it's six hours to start with, but you need to create an untouchable zone where you unplug completely from ideally the news media and social media. And what will you insert that time and space with? Reading. Reading 20 pages of fiction from a real book. Yes, audiobooks or Kindles are fine, but try not to do it on a device where you can do something else. Those three habits, plus the questions we got to talk about today, will comprise a tiny little morsel for you. But because we're entering into a relationship together, you're going to get my monthly book club. You're going to get that. Hit unsubscribe if you don't want. No problem. I don't do any. It's just literally the books I read each month. You're going to get a couple articles from me on things that I do in my life in order to live a more intentional and grounded life. And usually who I'm writing to in these articles is myself. Okay. I write to myself first. The books are all outputs of anxieties I've had. <laughs> book of Awesome was written when I went through a divorce. Happiest Equation when I was nervous about having a kid. So you can see that's where it comes from. And number three, if you want to engage further, listen to my podcast. It's called Three Books, and we'd love to have you on board. There's many ways we can continue this conversation. I am but one tiny person. As we said at the beginning, I don't know who you are. I hadn't heard you. I'm one tiny person in this whole world on earth trying to put some positive vibes up there. There's many people like me. I will always recommend them to you. On my websites, you'll see links to other people that I love. Find the ones that resonate with you. Listen and connect with those people. Share with your colleagues. Stay together with your friends and your family and hang in there. Thank you so much for having me. Have a wonderful day, everybody. And I'll talk to you soon. Um, sorry, I should say one last thing. If you have a burning question and you didn't get it out, I'm here for you. Drop me a line at neil at globalhappiness.org. Neil, N-E-I-L, at globalhappiness.org. And drop me your line, okay? I don't want anyone who feels something inside not to have a chance. 
Thanks all. Take care. Friends, if you like this episode of the LeadX Leadership Podcast, please take a minute, leave a rating on iTunes or Stitcher. Ratings are invaluable for attracting new listeners. And I like to convert those listeners into leaders because you know I'm on a mission to spark 100 million leaders in the next 10 years. And if you want to become the boss everyone fights to work for and nobody wants to leave, check out the LeadX platform with Coach Amanda at leadx.org. And if you have 10 or more managers who could use some binge-worthy training, send me an email at info at leadx.org, L-E-A-D-X dot O-R-G, and we'll talk about getting you set up with a totally free pilot for those managers. See if they like it. If they don't, that's fine. We go away. Part as friends. But if they love it, you've just found yourself a new resource for them. Remember, leadership is influence. You're always leading. How are you going to lead today?